0: At the Washington Post, where democracy dies in bloviating pomposity, opinion columnist Elizabeth Brunig has written an op-ed headlined, It's Time to Reclaim Socialism from the Dirty Word Category. By the way, here's a fun little quiz. Try to figure out, just from that headline, whether Elizabeth Brunig is A, another one of these vaguely cute millennial babes without the brains God gave a goose, or B, something else. Anyway, the cute goose brain millennial babe says, quote, And this is a real quote, socialism has meant different things to different people in different times and places, unquote. And this is undoubtedly true. For instance, there's the Soviet socialism that caused the Ukrainian famine of the 1930s, leading to the deaths of millions of Ukrainians. But there's also the Chinese socialism that led to the famine of 1959, leading to the deaths of tens of millions of Chinese. There's the wonderful socialism of Europe that provided universal 19th century health care while gutting the most vibrant culture the world has ever seen until it's now a listless hulk of a wimpocracy that stands and stares gormlessly while invading hordes of medieval crazy men rape their children uninterrupted. But of course, there's also the almost perfect socialism of Scandinavia, where about 90% of the wealth is in private hands, so it's not socialism, which works great. And we should never forget the socialism of Cuba and Venezuela which has taken countries overflowing with natural resources and turned them into smoking relics full of hunger, deprivation and violence. But that's only because they didn't do the socialism right, and therefore it turned out like all the other places where they had socialism and didn't do it right, which is all the other places where they had socialism. But Elizabeth Brunig and other airheaded millennial babes are right. All of that is no reason to make socialism a dirty word. The fact that socialism deprives you of your freedom by depriving you of the right to use your property as you see fit. Now, that's a good reason. Trigger warning I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. I hunky dunky, life is tickety boo, are winning, also singing hunky Tipsy, topsy. The a zing. It's a wonderful hooray, day. Hooray, hooray! It makes me want sing. to sing. Oh, hoorah, hooray! Oh, hooray, hoorah. All right, hooray, hurrah! We've got Joy Villa with us today, which was great. And the mailbag is tomorrow. I have to go through this so you remember. Hit the uh, go on the dailywire.com, subscribe, lousy ten bucks, hundred bucks, you get the whole year all your problems will be solved by the in the mailbag so it's worth every penny of it hit the uh, podcast button hit the andrew claven podcast button hit the little mailbag picture and ask me anything you want personal problems uh, you know religious ideas political ideas ask me anything you want and my answers are guaranteed 100% correct and will change your life uh eh, for the better i don't know but uh, also we have the new lefty's dictionary entry today but first we have to talk about your teeth the, the important thing about your teeth is not only do you want them to look good you want it to, them to look good while you're brushing them you want your toothbrush to look good and You got to use an electric toothbrush. Electric toothbrush is just work better, and Quip is the better electric toothbrush. I love mine. I take it wherever I go. When it comes, uh, it's the new electric toothbrush that packs just the right amount of vibrations into a slimmer design at a fraction of the cost of bulkier traditional electric brushes, those ones that look like bazookas. Quip also comes with a mount that suctions right to your mirror and unsticks to use as a cover for hygienic travel anywhere, whether it's going in your gym bag or carry on. That's what I love about it. that you can carry it around anywhere you go and still have your electric toothbrush with you. Quip subscription plan refreshes your brush on a dentist-recommended schedule, delivering new brush heads every three months for just five bucks, including free shipping worldwide. Quip starts at just twenty-five bucks, and if you go to getquipcom Clavin right now, you'll get your first refill pack free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack free at getquipcom Clavin. Clavin spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com. Of course, you can spell that, but how do you spell Clavin? It's K-L-A-V-A-N. So yesterday, we we're talking about what I feel is happening right in front of us, which is the death of feminist culture, the fact that, that feminism has now devolved into absolute nonsense. I mean, it, it, we see that feminism has led all these women into the workplace who are getting treated like pieces of meat. Uh, we see feminism is turned into this thing where men get to pretend to be women and then participate in female sports and win everything. I mean, it's just been a de- degradation of women. I think it is falling apart in front of our eyes. And I think the attack on femininity and masculinity is also starting to backfire. In fact, I have a Prager, my You Prager feminism video is coming out on Monday. We'll play it uh, here. But I think that, you know, you ha- we have to talk about the fact that the tension between manhood and Christian culture is built into our culture. You know, in the old days before Christianity, manhood was pretty simple. You went uh, after the other guy, you took his stuff, you took his women, and you left town. You know, you you conquered his land, you you raped the women. That was manhood. And, you know, if you look at, like, Homer, the warriors, the men, the admirable heroes, they're just big athletes. That's what they are. I mean, Achilles is kind of a, a Crank, but he is a great warrior and a great uh, killer, and so that's what a man was. And even though, yes, there were all kinds of varieties of uh, men in the classical world, just like there are all kinds of varieties of men today, I'm talking about an image that's in people's minds. And when you had Christianity, which touted sacrifice, which touted martyrdom, which touted uh, humility and uh, being a humble person, That's not really what men are about. You know, (laughs) men are not about like, oh, yes, you know, peel my skin off and I'll go to heaven. That's great. You know, that's not where men want to be. And that was why the church invented chivalry. Chivalry was basically an invention of the Catholic church to tame the louts, who were knights, the real knights were just louts. They would just go around, they would do the men thing. They would go around raping and pillaging and killing, fighting each other over like 15 feet of ground. And the church said, here's a new version of manhood, as a, man, a version of service, a version of standing up for the little guy, a version of, uh, of sacrifice and uh, chastity. That, that, and that's where all the knighthood tales came about. Modernity is basically invented when Shakespeare and Cervantes start to put real people into the chivalric model and show how that leads to tragedy and comedy, right? Don Quixote is ridiculous because he believes in all the noble ideas of chivalry. That's what makes him ridiculous. That's what makes it a comic novel. That's where all the kind of, you know, uh, vitality of that novel comes from. Shakespeare does the same thing. You know, Hamlet was a a play before Shakespeare wrote Hamlet. Hamlet was a play where a ghost of a dead father comes to Hamlet and says, I was murdered. Avenge my death. And Hamlet says, OK. And he does. But Shakespeare puts a real person in there, a modern person. And the ghost says, avenge my death. And Hamlet says, "Uh, you know, is a ghost real? Do I know the guy's a murderer? Can I kill him when he's praying? You know, he starts to have doubts because he doesn't fit in because human beings don't fit into the ideal chivalric model. Macbeth is, an, is another example of a tragedy based on that kind of disjunction, where Lady Macbeth keeps saying to him, "Be a man and commit murder. Be a, a man and do the thing that men do, which is kill your way to the top." And Macbeth is tortured, and they they live in this Christian world, so their consciences tear them to shreds uh, because that that view of manhood is no longer operational in the Christian world. And today, like the chivalric code has uh, collapsed, and we, that's what I was talking about yesterday. Where it, the only place on in TV that you see manhood is in shows like The Sopranos and Breaking Bad, where it's an outlaw thing to be. To be a man is to be an outlaw because the Christian world no longer has a model for manhood. And that's why I pick on superhero movies, because they show a model for manhood that is simply detached from the realities of life. It's detached from death. It's detached from sex. And th- th- Marvel tries to make up for that by having them be snarky, but there's no real tragedy in their manhood, which is what part, of, part of what uh, Shakespeare and Cervantes were talking about when they invented modernity by, by putting real people into the chivalric code. Okay, So our job now, I feel, as the, as the feminist model falls apart, the feminist attack on masculinity and femininity falls apart, is we, as conservatives, have to start to build a new culture of masculinity and femininity. It has to be a modern culture. It has to be based, it's going to have to be based on Christianity as we understand it in the modern world. It's not going to be medieval Christianity. It's not going to be medieval manhood. It's not going to be superhero manhood either because none of us is really superheroes. We have to invent this new idea. And the thing is, you know, we, we always hear about the fact that the left owns the culture. And that was true up until about 10 years ago when people... Including me, you know, guys like Andrew Breitbart went out and started saying, hey, take back the culture. And the tool we used was the Internet. And it has been like the first movie in this thing, Culture Wars, Culture Wars 1, you know, The, the Force Awakens. Is that what it is? is that the number one. <laughs> to Culture Wars 1 was us kind of like the revolutionaries in the Revolutionary War. Little guys fight shooting from behind. Uh, rocks and trees at this monolith of the movie studios and the television studios, all left wing, the academy, all left wing, the comics, all left wing. And we started popping up and shooting back. And in the at the end of Culture War I, we had kind of got the Death Star on the run. You know, the Death Star of their culture was starting to fall apart. And Donald Trump's victory, in a way, was uh, us kind of coming back and winning, uh, starting to show that, that people were not entirely buying into the culture of the left. Now, Culture Wars II, the empire is striking back. They're coming after us, trying to shut us down. Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, all of them. Twitter's been playing it a little bit cagey, but they're still very left-wing. The thing they did to Dennis Prager where they took his videos basically and, and shadow banned them so suddenly they weren't reaching any of his millions of followers. These are these videos, They the most unhateful. I mean, Dennis Prager is one of the most unhateful people you can ever meet. You know, I mean, just as a person, and he doesn't, he would not allow his videos to be hateful. They're not hateful. They're just instructing people on conservative values, and they've reached millions and millions of people. So Facebook takes them down, and then when they get called out on it, because it's really hard to turn Dennis Dennis Prager into a bad guy, when they get called out, oh, it's a mistake. So the Babylon Bee, which is rapidly becoming one of the best satire sites, it, it now is one of the best satire sites, on the internet, and it's just gotten better recently. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of detached a little bit from its evangelical moorings and gotten a little bit more political, and they have gotten hilarious. So they have a headline. Here's the picture. If you're watching, they have headline. Dennis Prager. says Facebook claims kidnapping Dennis Prager, torturing him in abandoned wa- warehouse was an honest mistake. <laughs> and, you know, the thing about this is it's you know when they say, oh, we just made a mistake what it reminds me of is mars attacks you probably haven't seen it it's an old movie it's an old conservative movie making fun of uh conservative uh, for of liberals for trying to make friends with the communists and the communists are represented by martians who come to earth to destroy it and all the intellectuals are saying but what do they really want what do they re-? and there's one absolutely hilarious scene hilarious and kind of uh, a grim, dark way, where the Martians go about killing people with their ray guns, just blowing them to pieces while screaming, we come in peace, we come in peace. And that's what I feel that Facebook is doing when they say, oh no, we're not banning you, we come in peace. Boom! You know, they're blowing you up. And I, th- I think that um, you we, we just have to remember that this is this whole thing is a plan that was put together by George Soros's the George Soros-funded Media Matters run by uh, David Brock. Remember him? He's David Brock is this Clinton-Obama operative who has gone about using the Internet to silence and attack conservatives. And a a year ago, the—what was the paper? The Washington Free Beacon published, got hold of this memo that David Brock put out. And let's just remember who David Brock is. David Brock was the lover of the guy who ran the pizza place— in Washington, D.C. that Pizzagate was all about. Remember, the guy went in and shot the place up because he thought there was some kind of weird conspiracy where Hillary Clinton was, uh, you know, what was she doing, peddling child prostitutes? It was nuts. It was nuts. But Cheryl Atkinson, who wrote the book Smear, has put forward the theory that she can't prove, but it's pretty well supported, that this was all David Brock creating this fake news situation so that he could then go in and attack fake news. And let's not forget, even though David Trump, uh, Donald Trump has taken over the phrase fake news, this was put forward by the left first. And, George, uh, and David Brock had a memo that he sent out where he said, we will fully adapt to the new reality. This is after Trump won. And we will win. In the next four years, Media Matters, the Soros-funded company, will continue its core mission of disarming right-wing misinformation while leading the fight against the next generation of conservative disinformation, the proliferation of fake news, and propaganda now threatening the country's information ecosystem. Here's what success will look like. Serial misinformers and right-wing propagandists, like because there are no left-wing misinformers or propagandists, serial misinformers and right-wing propagandists inhabiting everything from social media to the highest levels of government will be exposed, discredited. Internet and social media platforms like Google and Facebook will no longer uncritically and without consequence host and enrich fake news sites and propagandists, toxic alt-right social media-fueled harassment campaigns that silence dissent and poison our national discord will be punished and halted. I'm laughing because who's trying to silence dissent? Brock, Media Matters, George Soros, and they are doing it with the help of the social media corporations, and they're winning. They're actually pulling it off. And I, you know, that this is a plan. They put forward this plan. And now all these social media systems are using people that David Brock installed, like PolitiFact and Snopes, that are left-wing fact checkers, so-called fact checkers, using them to vet their material. And I think that this is, this is the, you know, they do not want to give up their power that the that they have had over the culture, and we have got to stay vigilant, and we've got to, you know, Donald Trump is, is talking about this now, and he, they're actually uh, suing Facebook over another matter, but I'm sure it has a lot to do with this, and, and Trump is starting to talk about it, and we all have to talk about it, and we all have to hold them to account, because they are basically corporations, as uh, Je- our god king Jeremy Boring was explaining to us, they're acting like publishers, but they're getting the privileges of platforms. As a platform, that's like the phone company, you and I talking, and we can talk, if we want to talk Not talk, we can talk Nazi talk. We want to talk commie talk. We can do that. And they can't stop us on AT&T as long as we're not committing a crime. If you're a publisher, then you are responsible for what people say and you can be sued. And if we, if, if I went out and sued every person who has said dishonest things about me, let alone me, if Ben went out and sued every person who said dishonest things about me, him on Facebook, Facebook would collapse. So they want the privileges of being a platform, but they want the power of being a publisher. They can't have both, and they should be stopped, and they deserve to be stopped. I mean, this is what entrenched power is. The other thing about this is, we have also, if we are going to restore the idea of what men and women are, what they really are, not going back into the past, not saying, oh, women have to, you know, do this, this, and this, and can't leave the home and can't vote. Although that's not such a bad idea. No, I'm joking. But, but you know, not restricting people, but just getting, uh, recreating the ideas on which our ideas of ourselves are founded, recreating the culture in on in which our ideas make sense. If we are going to do that. Christianity also has to be held to account. It also has to be held to account for the ways in which barnacles have accrued on it over the years that we don't need, that are not part of the kingdom of Christ, that are not the things that Jesus was talking about. And that's why I've been hammering the Catholic church. There was a moment on, because you know, there's so many people in the in the Catholic church who are saying, well, it's in the past. These people rape children in the past. It's all over. It was just, you know, there are no more uh, molesters in the Catholic church than anywhere else. Which, if you're the body of Christ, is not a good excuse. I'm sorry. There was a moment on Special Report last night that was so powerful and really summed it all up. Because they, uh, Brett Baer, who is himself a Catholic, had the uh, Bishop of Pittsburgh, which is where a lot of these this latest scandal come up, uh, David Zubik. And Bear asks him about this sca- the, the effect the scandal is having on people who don't are not going to church because they feel so betrayed. And you can sit there and say, you know, like, oh, well, they're taking it out on God. Oh, well, they're making the mistake. They didn't rape the kids. They didn't cover it up, even more importantly, because I know the rapes are horrendous and hideous and these people should be in prison. And the fact that they're, uh, the time has run out when they can be prosecuted is a crying shame, but the people who covered it up, including the man who is going to answer Brett Baer's question, who's one of the people who covered it up, they're still in place. Not one, not one has been fired. I mean, this is the thing. So, so, what they're talking about when they say, oh, it's in the past, it's not in the past as long as they're still standing there. The cardinal, the, the guy who was uh, at the center of this invest- investigation, uh, Cardinal Weirl, is now. the the cardinal in Washington, D.C. So here is Brett Baer asking this heartfelt question. This is two videos. The first one is is Baer asking this question of Bishop David Zubik. And listen to his response.
1: What do you say to the Catholics who didn't go to church this Sunday because they were so hurt? You know, the Washington Post says clergy's abuse scandals prompt crisis of faith, crisis of confidence. there's hurt. I talked to him. I mean, I come to you as a newsman, but I'm also a practicing Catholic. Um, And I talked to a lot of people this weekend. And Brett, how about rage? Because I'm feeling it too. I was ordained a priest 43 years ago and the collar that I wear is a source of pride for me. And the fact that I know that some of the people who served with this collar abused people makes me enraged. What I have to say is we need to be able to come closer to God to first of all, to look at the cross, and that's why I wear this cross, I'm out of Pell. First of all, the cross is a sign of why did Jesus get there? It was because of our sins. And looking at the cross, we have to be able to see our own sins in it. But the second thing is the cross is also a sign of where we need to go from here. And I think that for anybody who chose not to come to church this weekend, who somehow is taking this out on God, it's precisely the opposite that we all need. You know, I've prayed more over the course of these last these last days and I would encourage other people to do the same.
0: So this is what he's saying, and the Pope has put out a letter saying, even though it can be said that most of these cases belong to the past, nonetheless, as time goes on, we have come to know the pain of many of the victims. We have realized that these wounds never disappear and that they require us forcefully to condemn these atrocities and join forces in uprooting this culture of death. These wounds never go away. The heart-wrenching pain of these victims, which cries out to heaven, was long ignored, kept quiet, or silenced, but their outcry was more powerful than all the measures meant to silence it, or sought even to resolve it by decisions that, Increased its gravity by falling into complicity. The Lord heard that cry and once again showed us on which side he stands. Now, all right, that's the church speaking. That's the Pope and this bishop. Now listen to Mark Thiessen, who's a good guy and a former uh, speechwriter for George W. Bush. Listen to his reaction
1: as a Catholic. So, I'm glad the Pope wrote a letter, but the one word that was missing in that letter was accountability. Uh, he, he, We don't need words. We need actions right now uh, in the Catholic Church. He said that—he uh, quoted Pope Benedict saying how much filth there is in the Church and talked about those who kept quiet or silenced the victims. One of those people who, who silenced the victims was your guest, Bishop Zubik. He was, from 1987 to 91, the personal secretary to Bishop to Bishop Bellavacqua. He was then the director of clergy personnel from 91 to 96 for Archbishop Worrell when he was the Bishop of Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, when all these confidentiality agreements were being signed, when all these predator priests were being moved around. This, he was at the epicenter of this crisis. He pointed that cross on his, on, on his lapel. You know what Christ did on that cross? He sacrificed himself. I'd like to see one of the hundred bishops in this country sacrifice themselves, saying mea culpa, mea culpa, mea maxima culpa. And I say to my other fellow bishops, step down and let new leaders take over.
0: Mm. Good for you, Mark, because that's the voice. That's the voice of the God who hears those cries. And not you know, these guys, they don't want to give up their houses. They don't want to give up their titles. They don't want to give up the wealth. They're princes of the church, and they don't want to give up their their princehood. But the thing is, if we are, you know, this culture is, this is a moment of opportunity. It is a moment of opportunity when one way passes and a new way comes. I know it looks like a moment of crisis, but the crisis is all an opportunity. Every one of us, every one of us has a piece of the culture in his hand. Every one of us has a chance to act like a man, to reinvent what a man is, to act like a woman, to reinvent what a woman is, Every one of us has has that possibility, and when these large structures let us down, as the Catholic Church has, and as some of these co- huge social media corporations are trying to, it is up to each one of us to start to reinvent the world. Each one of us is given a soul of his own to reinvent the world with, and we have to start to do it. It really is, it, it's a big deal, even though each one of us is a small thing, each one of us doing it is a, an enormous deal. All right, got to get the new lefties Dictionary. Today it's G, isn't it? What is G for? Let's play it. G is for gun. A gun is an evil, deadly creature that at any moment may leap into the hand of an innocent madman and kill everyone around him. Many innocent madmen have suffered at the hands of guns. There they were, standing in a crowd, or a military facility, or a gay bar, minding their own business and shouting Allahu Akbar, when suddenly a gun leapt into their hands and opened fire, thus ruining the innocent madman's life. Many a person has become a criminal simply because he was standing on a dark street demanding a fellow citizen hand over his wallet when some opportunistic gun jumped into his hand and mayhem ensued. This wouldn't happen if guns were banned. If guns were banned, the criminal would say to himself, I was going to rob that person at gunpoint, but guns have been banned, so I will simply demand that he give me his money, and if he refuses, well, all the worse for me. Women have been particularly victimized by guns. It's easy to see why. Say some 5 foot 200 pound woman is dragged into a dark alley by a muscle-bound 6 foot 4 male who wishes to engage in what to him would be a meaningful relationship. If the woman has a gun, she might blow this guy to hell and gone, and thus miss out on an amazing interpersonal experience. So as you can see, guns are especially bad for women. Most importantly, guns are very dangerous to leftists. You see, Leftists believe that your property and your conscience should belong to the state. They back up those beliefs with laws that are enforced by people with guns. If you refuse to hand your property and conscience over to the state, these people with guns will come to your house and arrest you. If, on the other hand, you also have a gun, an ugly situation may ensue. This is not just theoretical. It is based on a true story that happened in 1776. So, be warned guns are unhealthy for leftists because guns protect our property and our conscience and they keep us free and we wouldn't want that g is for gun i'm andrew claven with the lefties dictionary i love this guy <laughs> all right come on over to the daily wire we got to say goodbye to facebook and to youtube you can listen on youtube you can listen on fa- uh, on um, at the dailywire.com. But if you come on over to the dailywire.com, you can and subscribe, you can watch the whole thing there and be in tomorrow's mailbag where it's uncomfortable, but you get to ask questions and I change your life. All right, we got Joy Villa coming up. Joy Villa, is a recording artist who hit number one on the Billboard and Amazon Music charts with her, uh, with her song, I Ma- with her album, "I Make the Static," and her single, "Make America Great Again." Joy has a new podcast, "The Joy Villa Show," which you can find on all podcasting platforms as well as YouTube.com/slash Miss Joy Villa. She also has the upcoming Meet Joy Villa speaking tour, and we talked more about that in our interview. Joy Villa, I'm so happy to finally meet you. It's yeah. really nice to see you. Thank you for coming in. I appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. So you are going on a speaking tour. This is not a sing... You're not going to be singing. You're no. just going to be talking. That's right, right. What are you going to be talking about?
2: Well, answering questions that everyone's been asking me okay. for the last two years. You know, what made me conservative? Why do I support Trump? You know, what is it about me Like that would wear a dress at the Grammys? How do I go from my past voting for Obama to being a hardcore Trump supporter and... And how to make it in the music industry, being very different, being very bold.
0: Yeah, well, yeah. That, those are those are excellent questions. Some of which I'm going to, about to ask you because okay. I want I want to know them. To, I, but I have to ask you this: yeah. are, are you planning on running for something? Is that why you're doing
2: this? Not this time. Okay. Not this time. Uh, I toyed with it. You no. know, definitely got a lot of attention for it, which is amazing. The president tweeted his support, endorsed me before I even decided to run. I was like, no pressure, thank you, Mr. President. But if, it's something that I think that. In the end of my life, I don't want to be like the end of my life, but, right. you know, as I get a little older, that it'll be something I'll, I'll actually do. Right now, I want to focus on just meeting the fans, getting the word out, positivity and support for the president in 2020, and then also my music career. I've got yeah. a lot of music stuff coming out.
0: Okay. All right. Yeah. Now, now, it's interesting because when you wore that dress, great dress. Thank you. You got, you actually, it actually helped you on the charts. Uh,
2: yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, it was, a, it was a really good thing for you. Yeah. Was it also a bad thing for you?
2: Well, I never would have predicted that something good would have happened. I mean, of course, I wore it. I didn't really think about it. I was like, I'm going to do this because I support the president. And, right. you know, I'm, I'm very much like a loyalist. Like, I'll spend time looking. And I looked at President Trump and I go, oh, I don't know. Is he what he says he is? And then I was like, okay, this is the man. And I voted for him. And then I became very, a, a big fan. Right, But it was very secret. I couldn't talk to any of, course, of my liberal no. friends about this or anybody, not even my conservative friends, because a lot of them didn't like Trump too. So that was my sort of coming out, and that's all I thought of. I didn't think of the long term. But afterwards, hitting number one on iTunes, number one right. on, you know, Billboard and, and all of the Amazon was something that was such an unexpected blessing. Because really, after I did that, I got a lot of hate. I got I would death think, threats. yeah. You got de- got, did you get oh, death threats? Really? I got so many death threats. I still get death threats. Yeah. Anytime I come out, you know, for being pro-life, I get death threats. Yeah. I get rape threats for being pro-life. Do, do
0: you really? I mean, I do. Is, I mean, it,
2: it's, insane it's insane out insane.
0: there. It's insane. It is but so sick. Yeah.
2: These people are not people I'm afraid of. At right. first, it's very uh, overwhelming to get hundreds of letters of, yeah. you know, evil intentions and like, oh, you should die. And why are you even at the Grammys and blah, blah, blah. Racial slurs, right? From other black people, other Hispanics, yeah. telling me I'm a race traitor and this and that, and uh, all that stuff that I've never, I've never gotten before. But in the in the big picture, it's really a small amount compared to the love.
0: Okay, even all though right, I fell
2: from grace on some things. I fell into the arms of millions of fans who support me.
0: What about what about in the business? Are you, are you still on an indie label? You were. Like, I'm still
2: independent. That's okay. right. So yeah.
0: Yeah. So, but did it hurt you in the business? I mean, do you find do you does your agent <laughs> suddenly find? I mean, my agent does. I get a lot of this stuff. You know, yeah, Like, yeah. Do, do you does your agent call up and say, "Oh no, we will not touch her."
2: Well, I uh, I was with the publicist at the time, and he ended up dropping me. Really. Yes.
0: B- because of this.
2: Not because I'm a Trump supporter, but because of the hate mail, Uh, because of the attacks, because it became harder for him to to be the publicist (laughs) of me. And so I ended up picking up another publicist and they just recently dropped me um, uh, just because they picked up a, a new client that was very anti my my political beliefs. And they let me know that which I think is wrong. I think that if you're wrong. going to represent someone who cares about their political ideologies, yeah. they're not hurting someone, let them be them. I mean, there's conservative pundits who need publicists and, you know, agents. So I've had a little bit of that, but I just go, you know, it's fine. I have long-term staff who love me, who know all about my political beliefs, and they've stuck with me for years. So I'm, I'm fine, you know. Okay. I mean, it's the Hollywood game. You pick up a few yeah, staff. You yeah. know how it is, the publicists of this or that. But um, recently, Andrew, I just heard that I lost a movie role because the director loved me, wanted me for this film, because I also do some acting, and ended up going, oh, wait a second, she's the girl with the dress. I cannot hire her. Wow. And he said, Wow, because I'm a socialist. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, so at least we won't have to pay for his movie. He'll just give us exactly. his movie for free. Yeah, right? he, so <laughs> he goes,
2: on my own ideology, I cannot hire her because I'm a socialist. Wow. And the producer of the film yeah. is a good friend of mine, so she told me that. And this was a, a couple months ago, so I didn't know. You know, you never know why you don't get certain roles. That's
0: true, but at least you found out. Is yeah. It? So you start out, you're a singer. That's yes. what you want to do. And I know yes. if you're an artist, all you want to do is you want to make stuff. I, I, I feel the same way. Yeah. You, like everybody, you have political beliefs. So you start out singing, right? And you're mm-hmm. not, are you voting for Obama at that point? Or are you an Obama voter when you start out?
2: Well, I started out in 2011. Okay. So I had voted for Obama before that. All right. I was in high school. I just, I graduated high school. Actually, I graduated high school two years earlier. So I was 18 years old when okay. Obama was running. That was his first term. And that was my first presidential voting that I could, you know, vote yeah. for a president. So I voted for Obama. Thinking I was doing the right thing. Yeah. He's black. He's charming. I'm like of course he's running against
0: John McCain. Yeah. Dry- yeah,
2: John McCain is old and yeah. soggy. <laughs> I didn't like him back then. My dad loved John McCain. Okay. I said he's like 90 years old. This guy. He's not hip. Yeah. He's not. He doesn't know what's happening. You right. know. Um, And as we see, he really doesn't know what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I was, it's right. I was right. right. Yeah. No, John he was a terrible McCain. candidate. Yeah. Oh, horrible. And uh, so I voted for him. And then of course after that, I just I wasn't really political. I was an artist, right? And I didn't, I didn't particularly like Obama. You know, after he ran, I just noticed that the economy went down, Selling there were more people on welfare. You know, there was more disgruntlement. There was worse race relations, even though he's a mixed race. Yeah, he's black and white. He never said that. He was raised in Indonesia, too. He could have right. united America.
0: He could have, yeah.
2: But instead, you know, he chose to take the side of Black Lives Matter and divide the nation and go against police officers and against, you know. And I was, he said the American flag, I'll never forget. He said the American dream is now achieved because we're just getting by. And I thought that's not the American mm-hmm. dream. The American dream is to be a billionaire right. and to help people. Right. And we're the most charitable organization, uh, charitable country in the world we give more to charity than any other country. And so we wanna be rich, but we wanna help others. We wanna succeed, we wanna flourish, we wanna have family. That's the American dream, right? not just to get by.
0: So so you're in the music business, you're surrounded yeah. by people in the music business, I assume, right? Yeah. And you're suddenly, you're looking with your own eyes and you're seeing that the Obama administration Failed. I mean, yeah. it wasn't a good administration. Yes. Do you ter- ever turn to the singer next to you and say that? I mean, is, it, is that a conversation it wasn't, you're having? Uh,
2: you know, during that time, I wasn't outspoken politically. Okay. I was pro-life, but I, I also kept that to myself. Ah. You know, I was, I was like, oh, I don't want to talk about religion or politics because it was such a liberal climate. Yeah, sure. And being young in my early 20s, then I'll go, okay, well, everybody's liberal. Right. So I sort of took on that liberal jacket, so to speak. You know, and I, I call myself a, an SJW back then. Really? Social justice yeah. warrior. Yeah, yeah, I was. I would retweet those tweets, you know, like, oh my gosh, we yeah. need to help this and we need to do that. Of course, because that's what all your friends are talking about. Right, right. And you're looking up to musicians and actors, like, I want to be like them. Madonna, I used to love her. Uh, not so much anymore. But you, <laughs> you know, you're just going, oh, I want to be like these superstars. Sure, of course. So I, uh-huh. I have to think like them. Or it was gradual, but I just started noticing... Suddenly, I wasn't so open about my conservative upbringing, and it really took Trump to sort of reset me. Then huh. I, I go, oh, wait a second. I, I was a registered independent. So I said, well, am I a Democrat? I mean, am I a Democrat, really? Not really. Am I? But am I a Republican? So it sort of was like this slow, you know, researching the Republican Party, going, well, I always loved Reagan. My parents were Republicans. But does that make me a Republican? And I call myself a reborn Republican. Republican. Uh And now I say, yeah, I'm conservative. Yeah, I'm Republican. Doesn't mean I'm going to just vote straight party ticket without doing research. Right. But now I see that the Republican Party actually wants the same things that I want. Traditionalism, more families, you know, less government control. I want to abolish the IRS. <laughs> I mean, Mama. come on, you know, <laughs> less taxes on hard workers, but don't but, reward the 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 most undeserving of our society. Let's reward families and people who are, who are keeping society going.
0: Now, but you put out a, a, a music video for Make America Great Again, yes. song, which I, I thought was a good song, by the way. Thank and, you. And, and, and the message of it, is, is very multicultural, very, mm-hmm. you know, there are all kinds of people that you want to include and make America great again. Yes. The press line is that Donald Trump is this racist, sexist, evildoer who just, some, some, we just had played a, a tape of a New York Times editorialist saying mm-hmm. he wants to round people up and shoot them. Do you? F- <laughs> I, know, I know it's like good I, luck. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> do, do you feel that, that Trump is in fact helping multiculturalism in oh, the yeah. sense of all of us being different?
2: Absolutely. Yes. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, every conservative or Trump supporter that I know is different from a different background, religious, yeah. you know, racial, uh, you know, cultural. I, there's no one certain Trump supporter because I know tons of them, millions of them, connected right. by the internet. And my friends personally who've revealed to me, hey, I actually like that dress because I voted for Trump. And I go, you voted for Trump? (laughs) Yeah. You know, people in the industry who can't say that publicly because they would lose jobs. Those people are Trump supporters. Many of them are Black, Hispanic, Asian, young, old. His ideas are timeless. You know, what he wants for America to build us back to the greatness that we can be, that's timeless. That's not one culture, that's not one color. And he doesn't say, "Oh, black Americans can succeed," even though they are. We have 39% approval uh, for Trump now Which in Black amazing. America. Amazing, amazing yeah. right? And uh, it's higher than Hillary's ever was. Yeah, it's higher than Obama's actually was.
0: With with, with things working so, I mean, the economy is going well. Yes. Right? we're at peace. The judges do people ever come up to you now that they know now that you've come out mm-hmm. do people ever come up to you and say you know what you know i kind of you I, maybe you're right Does, do you get any of that at all All the time you do okay. all the
2: time especially now yeah. that it's been you know a little bit like after and there's they're like oh well when you first came out with that dress i didn't know and then now i start listening to you more now i see things i had a friend she is from germany Okay. And she said her parents come from a socialist country, right? Germany, Eastern, like back right in the day, Eastern Germany. She remembers when the wall was up. She remembers the, the, the tyrannical, uh, you know, things that happened then. And she said, my parents were never, ever going to be socialists. They didn't like Obama. And she told me, she revealed to me, I don't like liberals anymore. And this is someone who had posted, you know, I'm a proud immigrant and sort of was into the immigration thing, which is Trump was never against immigration legally. Right. But it's just illegal immigration, which we should all be against because that breaks the law. It hurts Americans. So she was sort of liberal before. And she just revealed to me, you know, I actually like Trump. I'm actually looking at what he's doing, which is
0: like, OK, really? good. That's interesting. All right. Yeah. And I want to get back to the music in just a minute. But I, will, yeah. I you you. You do sound like you have some kind of political aspirations ultimately and obviously I mean you're a, you're you're not I've known people in the music business you're obviously operating at an intellectual level above a lot of right. people in the music business so you want to go forward into another career. Yeah.
2: What
0: what are the issues that you see that you would like to deal with as a congresswoman mm. senator whatever?
2: You know, it's funny because even though I'm not running right now, and that may be something I do, but later, I'm still very political just by nature. And one of the things is infrastructure in America. You know, we need better infrastructure. We need our roads to be fixed. We need, you know, things to work right. Otherwise, it's not going to work for for the future. Our infrastructure just crashed under Obama. Another thing is taxes. We have to keep taxes low. We have to abolish the IRS, I think. I mean, it's very radical to say, but I would love to see that happen in my lifetime or just lower it, limit that power. And that just goes into the whole less government control, less power. Another thing is rewarding families who work hard. Too many times we see, oh, well, welfare is free for all. You can come here illegally, you can get welfare. You know, the immigration laws are crazy. If you're illegally over here, you're getting tons of of freebies. And that should not be... What's happening? If you're going to get freebies or breaks or, you know, help with groceries, give it to a hardworking family that is barely slipping by, but they're, at least they're working. Right. Not to people come here and say, just give me a handout. So that kind of ties into the whole immigration thing. We need to abolish sanctuary cities. You know, we need to just border control, get our borders under control and build that wall.
0: Okay. Now, you're, you're on a speaking tour. Are you going to do a singing tour?
2: I will yeah. definitely, okay. yeah. Right now, the fans are asking for it, so yeah. I'm I'm very fortunate and blessed to have t- so many people who you know listen to my music and watch my live feeds. I do a lot of live feeds, right? And they're like, "When are you going to come to Dallas?" So I said, "Okay, let's just do let's set up a speaking tour four cities. Dallas right after the Grammys next year. Okay. So I'll be I'll be doing Dallas. I'll do uh, Nashville. Pittsburgh, and Jacksonville.
0: Great towns. All great towns. Nashville, my favorite, but those are great towns. Okay. And are you recording an album, anything? I am. I'm working on an album. (laughs) Yeah, I just want to make sure. Yes,
2: lots of music happening. So I'm working on an album. It'll be a full-length album. And I'm actually dropping some singles before I go on tour. Okay. So I've got a couple songs that I will release with music videos, which also carry messages that are very important to me. Cool. I, okay. I feel like it's, as a musician, it's sort of my job to carry a message. I've always been like that. My music, before I was political, had a message in it. Okay. And my message is always people can achieve their dreams. They are not just animals, bodies that just die and disappear. We're spiritual beings. Oh, so now you're
0: now create. you're a real Republican. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's <right. laughs> well, that That's great, Joy. It's really lovely to meet you. And where, where can you. people find you if they want to see your work?
2: They can go to joyvilla.com. Okay. They can find me on Twitter at joy underscore villa. At Instagram at Joyvilla and Facebook at Joy Villa Music.
0: Okay, it's great talking to you. I really Thank appreciate you, it. Andrew, Thank you, Andrew. It's been Thanks. a
2: blast.
0: She's a very charming lady. You know, I think I'm I'm a sucker for a pretty face, but I think she is actually a charming lady. Thanks. Sexual follies.
1: <laughs>
0: a health information site titled Healthline, which serves a reputed 85 million people a month i'm reading this off of our own daily wire is offering an lgbtqia it's more like a, you know <laughs> i don't even know what i and a stands for but i but i deeply don't care so i'll just say an lgbtqia safe sex guide that stipulates the word vagina is no longer appropriate for that part of the female anatomy instead the <laughs> The proper term for that orifice is front hole. I'm really glad that you're conferring more dignity on women by, you know, by referring to them as having a front hole. Well, why do they have to do this? Why is a term that is perfectly valid, why do they have to change it to front hole? The LGBTQIA safe sex guide explains. For the purposes of this guide, we'll refer to the vagina as the front hole instead of solely using the medical term vagina. This is gender-inclusive language that's considerate of the fact that some trans people don't identify with the labels the medical community attaches to their genitals. Now, first of all, I think it's an atrocity that the medical community is going around attaching labels to people's genitals. I think this practice has to stop right now. All right, so LifeSite News, Jonathan Van Maren writes, women who claim they are men, but are still anatomically female, feel that accurately labeling their genitals is problematic because they don't identify with the medically correct terms. In other words, they accurately fear that if someone knows they have a vagina, those people will assume that they are female when they have decided that they are not. That's wonderful. I mean, is that, (laughs) this is why I I talk about feminist culture collapsing, because when you are at war with reality, the one thing you can be certain of is that you're going to lose the war because reality always wins, right? But it's also, it's so degrading to women. It is so degrading to women. You know, being a woman is a full body experience. It's a full life experience. It starts when you're a little girl. It it, it continues as you become a a grown female woman and you experience all the things that happen in that, all the psychological things, all the uh, physical things. It is, I have been told, it can be very beautiful, very difficult, like being a man, which can also, which I think is probably a less complex experience. I think being a man may be a less complex experience, but it is also an experience full of beauty and pain and suffering. And to just basically say that you are colonizing somebody else's experience because you are experiencing some sort of disconnect connect inside you is so offensive. It is so offensive to the people who are actually living it. And to then say, you know, you can't, we're going to change these words and that's going to change reality is just absurd but i love absurdity so at least i got a laugh out of it at least i get a, at least i'm laughing through my my face hole at their front hole so that i think that that's, that is worthwhile the mailbag is tomorrow get your subscription to the daily wire right now and then go on the site hit the podcast button hit the andrew claven podcast button hit the little mailbag symbol and you can ask anything you want we will answer all your questions the answers are guaranteed 100% correct and as of the moment i speak them your life will be changed and boy, that's gonna be ugly. I'm Andrew Claven. This is the Andrew Claven Show. We'll see you tomorrow. The Andrew Claven Show is produced by Robert Sterling. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. Technical producer, Austin Stevens edited by Alex Zingaro. Audio is mixed by Mike Cormina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Alvera. And their animations are by Cynthia Angulo and Jacob Jackson. The Andrew Claven Show is a Daily Wire, forward publishing production, copyright forward publishing
1: 2018.